Welcome back to the Character Corner with your hosts, Chris and Deep. I'm here. And, um, yeah, we're back. We're here to do part two of our Claire, Chris Claremont X-Men run. Um, I think the last time we did this, we did, what was it, 98 through 138 through the Dark Phoenix yeah. Saga. Um, so this one, we're going to be doing another sizable chunk here, 139 through 200. Um, <clears throat> we are not, so I'll just say up front, we're not going to be covering some of the spinoff stuff right now, like the New Mutants. We definitely want to cover those at a later time. It might be a mini episode or a bonus episode um, a little bit later, because I, I think that also plays heavily into, especially when we get later, in, later into this part of the run we're doing here. Um, there's some right. crossover with the New Mutants, stuff like that, but it was just, it would have been too much. <laughs> and we have a limited <laughs> time. Um, but we're going to... Uh, Kind of jump right into this and, and, and kind of go through these issues and, and I, I kind of want to with some of the major storylines so the major storylines and some of these are obviously you have the, the two issues days of future pass um which the, the the two issues that launched a thousand ships right right which and i think that was the thing so just quickly about those two because they, they happen fairly early into this in this part of the run mm-hmm. um the thing about days of future pass is and this is where i think the for multiple two to reasons what? Actually, you know what? Before we even get into this, let's let's. I haven't really even introduced the show for those who are new. Somehow you're new to the <laughs> every podcast is someone's first every podcast. Po- po- I know. I just I had your voice in the back of my head. The Character Core Podcast, where you we uh, go through some of your favorite uh, combo characters, give the history of them, um, and stuff like that. We we're doing this special thing with this one. We're not doing one uh, set of characters. We're kind of just going through uh, Chris Claremont, one of the if not the greatest writer for of the X-Men, uh, we're going to go through his 17-year run. Um, we started the first one with the Phoenix Saga, which pretty much, uh, again, everybody talks about the Dark Phoenix Saga, which is just a handful of issues at the end. But if you really want to understand the Phoenix Saga, you got to take that entire run we did. It was like 44 issues or something like that. 44, yeah. Um, and do it that way. And and that kind of leads me into this, uh, into this one we're doing. Like, again, Days of Future Past happens early, and it's only two issues. And I think the reason why you have a, a, a movie like In Days of Future Past from Fox, beyond the, just the, the issue that Fox has, you can't... Doing that storyline, you have to understand that that story is years in the making up to that point, and then the real fallout from it comes years afterwards. And issues afterwards. It's like, you don't just do that story and think that it's a one and done and, 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 it, and it carried nothing over. It's, and, and, and that's that's in, indicative of, of Chris Claremont's in, entire run when you think about it. It's like, you can't just take a couple handful of things here and there and not realize that they have long-lasting impacts. It just doesn't work that way. You know? It's, this has been really interesting to reread because they're doing that, uh, I forget the name of the series right now, where they're retelling the entire Marvel, uh, entire X-Men history in like the span of four issues. Um, so I've been reading that alongside this. Doing some of the... Um, some of the research kind of, because obviously I've read these comics before, so I started reading some things about people were saying about the run when it was happening. Um, Les Daniels said that, Les Daniels, and, and I guess at the time it was, I want to make the, the quotes correct here, Roy Thomas said that the Phoenix Saga is Claremont and Bird's Galactus history, Galactus trilogy for Lee and Kirby. Um, but for me, what's always interesting is that he did it at the beginning. And it feels like, oh, of course, you know, he, 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 
put this massive stamp on X-Men. But almost what comes next is more interesting. Because he has this soap operatic, soap, soap operatic um, layered, complex, character-driven storytelling that a lot of the events we're talking about are one and two issues, but the ramifications for these echo today. Issue 150 is the first time Magneto's identified as coming from Surprise the Holocaust. That's a defining character trait. Mm-hmm. That Chris Claremont was like, you know what? That seems like it'd be help, help better shape his worldview. And it did. And, 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 the, and we'll get into 150. The incident happened in 150 end up going into that issue 200 where we end at, which is the trial of Magneto. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is, it's so funny. So uh, we did a nerd off with Rod and Karen. I, I did a nerd off with them. It wasn't this week. I think it was last week. And we were talking about that. I think Rod's also kind of going through some of the Chris Claremont run. And he was talking about, he's like, it's good stuff. He's like, but it's just, it's so wordy. Like, there's so many words. And he's right. And it doesn't make it bad. Or anything. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a different, you, you have to be prepared for it. It's not like today. And again, this is not, it's not to denigrate the writing or the, or the artwork from back then. It's just that it's a different style of the day where I feel like a lot of, sometimes like the writer still writes and the writer still comes up with the script, but a lot of times the art, they can now have it so that the artist tells a lot of the story without having the words there. Back in the day, it wasn't like, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. so what you're talking about is Marvel method. So basically Marvel method is that writer writes the script, draw just draws around it and the words have to kind of fill in the blanks. They've become kind of, especially in-house at Marvel, it's become somewhere between Marvel Method and, like, full scripts. Mm-hmm. To where you're right, the, the, and I think also you're right, that the advancements in the abilities of artists and technology available to them allows them to play more subtly, so you don't have to over-explain. But when you read Claremont, it's the era of thought balloons and uh, caption boxes yeah. and editor's notes. It's a lot of ancillary supportive material that now you kind of have access to, but it's less... It's, less, it's not presented in a way that makes it feel as urgent. When I was reading an, an, uh, an old X-Men comic and it said, see this story in New Mutants, and it's just about like why these two characters aren't speaking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta read the New Mutants book. Yeah, it, it, it made you this urgency of, oh, wait, gotta read this. And you, some of you read it like, oh, that's, you gotta explain that. Oh, so, quickly. Th- yeah. so he burned her pancakes, so they're not speaking. That's, right, right. So it seems... <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it goes into, I, I think that and again, there's definitely in the thought bear bubble error, there are definitely sometimes when it's way overdone, unnecessary, mm-hmm. and especially if you're not a if you're not a writer of Chris Claremont's caliber, um, it becomes it, it's one of the things it doesn't stand the test of time. The reason why Claremont stuff does though, one, the artwork's still good. I know I can't remember who was the artist who left? Was it was it John Burns? Cockrum. Cock- I know Cockrum. Cockrum. Oh, John, John Burns and Cockrum, and then um, I think it's uh, Adams comes on. Arthur Adams comes on in annual annual nine. I, I think Cockrum did the one. There's an issue. I think it was one seventy. Whoever the artist is for one seventy, which is the one where uh, uh, you have uh, Storm fighting Callisto for a leadership of the the the, the uh, Morlocks. Oh, the panels of that are just fantastic because at one point you know Callisto throws a knife to to uh to, to storm to catch because like can't use powers and she the knife is coming towards storm she just stands in the next panel it shows her hand going to catch it and you at that moment you see where Callisto realizes she fucked up <laughs> she's like and there right is. right and you're just like oh shit and then but then you then you and then you get 
you get Nightcrawler, who doesn't seem to understand what's going on, going, oh, but, you know, it's, it's all a bluff, you know? Storm doesn't kill. And so Callisto's going to realize that, and just like, you later find out that Storm whoops Callisto's ass <laughs> and stabs her. And almost kills her. <laughs> it's Paul, Paul Smith through that issue. Okay. So, yeah, the, the artwork in that one is fantastic, but it kind of leads you to show you where there's not a lot of thought bubbles in that one, and that's the, where the artwork started to trend towards. But again, a lot of times you couldn't do that. And also, I feel like with Claremont, a lot of stuff he was trying to explain is really to get you... It was like, I think the reason why you don't need a lot of thought bubbles like today, especially with X Men comics right now, is Claremont did all the work for you, so you didn't have to explain that. Like it's <laughs> exactly. all there. Like he told you how this character like, feels. So when we when we did the first the the, the 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 when we started this run, remember Claremont is starting the, with the X Men with a brand new X Men team. It's like we're gonna have you restart the uh, write the X Men, but we're gonna take away all the original the original characters, right? And what stands out to me is. And, and it, it fits in with the, the Marvel world is Claremont did a great job of making the world that the X-Men feel lived in, but making the X-Men have lives. Now, I know that sounds fucking crazy, but when you can see a movie today with the X-Men in it and you realize that the X-Men are just X-Men, they don't have any lives outside of that, you're, you're starting going like, oh, wow, that's, that's real. Like, there's Yo, friends- One of the first issues of this run is Storm getting catcalled walking down the street. Yeah. And she hits that motherfucker with a, with a, with a rainstorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get her whole entire dialogue, and you get her picking up Kitty from dance practice. Like you're right; they feel like they have actual fucking lives. That's a great point. Well, it's 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 like so. You mentioned the Kitty, the Kitty, the Kitty with uh, with um uh, going to dance. So Stevie Hunter, Steve, yeah. Steve, yeah. Stevie Hunter. So they made Stevie Hunter a black woman who was instructor of the dance studio. And there's this whole thing that goes on for the longest time in this run, where Storm is like Storm likes Stevie; they're friends, but she's also kind of jealous of the relationship that that Stevie has with 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 um kitty because another thing and we talked about this when we did the first uh set of runs about how storm was best friend with gene here you have in this run because because going forward there's two characters that you see as you get a lot of the prism of what the x-men are about obviously it's kitty pride who is the youngest member of the x-men and so uh until they form the the new mutants she's really that window of getting like younger uh, the younger audience, younger readers invested in the X Men because while it's technically a school, you, it wasn't a school. They weren't. Ain't they, no teaching going ain't on. Ain't no, ain't no teaching going on. I mean, there's teaching of death and how to kill, Shit. but or how to fight. But there's no real teaching going on there because Kitty's really the only student you see. Um, but the other person is Storm. You get a lot of, because Storm is, has been made the leader of the X Men because after Gene's death, Cyclops has left. So Storm is now the leader of the X-Men. So those are two characters you get a lot of the, um, the story of the X-Men from. It doesn't mean that you don't get stories from other people's perspectives or anything like that, but it always usually comes back to Storm and, 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 and Kitty in a lot of these things. And if you think about it, this is, this, what, the, I guess at this point we're the 80s, or late 70s, eight, early 80s, um, right. and you have a black woman and a young Jewish girl as being your leading characters for... Uh, a comic book, and that. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna piggyback on what you just said there, because it can't be. Okay, so there was some internal, I guess, internal, external. I don't think anything leaks from Marvel Studios. It's not supposed to leak, but there was some debate about the the the, the veracity of the title X Men. I think it comes up even in um, Dark Phoenix, the movie that I refuse to watch. Um, but this is where it starts, and in 1980, it is a ballsy move to take 
what you've launched, what you've, what you've turned into one of the top team books in the world and say, our viewpoint characters are going to be these two minority women. And the voices, and to not only say that, but the most powerful members in the team, most prevalent members on this entire team will be women. That's one of those things that I think Chris Claremont, like, I guess we kind of roll it into his credit, but I think it can't be said enough, the shot he took in making these the viewpoint characters. It was it was a shot. He did not have to do that. Well, remember, the original, the, this group of X-Men that came in from X-Men Giant Size were, were put together to sell toys mm-hmm. and, 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 to, and to appeal to an international audience. It really was a marketing ploy, and it could have stayed a marketing ploy. It really could have. But Chris Claremont took that and was like, all right, cool. We're not going to make it a marketing ploy. We're actually going to make this an ingrained part of who the X-Men are. So you have Stevie Hunter, a black woman, as a side character who repeatedly pops up in all of these issues. Like she's always there. And then you have this ongoing thing with it's n- at first I was like, wait, is Stevie like a bad person? Cause storm's like really kind of jealous of her and kitty and come to find out it's like storm is storm was an orphan. Her, her parents left her. So she takes kitty under her wing and storm basically becomes kitty's mother. Like we, again, there's another one of the things we don't talk about when we talk about storm. She's basically Kitty's mother throughout these entire things. There are t- there's a right. time in here where, um, I can't remember what the, what the issue is, but it's the one where um, Emma uh, switches bodies with Storm. And so Storm's mm-hmm. in Emma's body. And there's a moment in, the, in, in there where, like, so, uh, like, Storm and Emma's body is convinced uh, Kitty and Stevie Hunter to kind of drive, drive them to uh, the, uh, the Xavier School because they got to stop, stop Emma and, and, and Storm's body. And at one point, Kitty leans her head out of the car, phases the car, and leans out the car to look to see if anything's there. And Storm turns around and is basically that black mother, if you don't get your ass back in this car, I will turn this car around. And even at that, because up to that point, uh, uh, Kitty's was like, I don't, because again, Kitty has this thing about, uh, obviously, we, and we've done our Kitty Pride, Pride character corner, so you know, Kitty's not the biggest fan of Emma Frost. So she was always kind of skeptical of, of Storm in Emma's body. But she was like, at that moment when, when Storm was like cussing her out inside, she was like, okay, no, that's horror. That's, that's Storm. I know. Yeah, only Storm, only Storm would cuss me out like that for doing something so childish. So it's just such a great thing to see their relationship and see how it matures and is a, is a central part of this, this, this story. Like, Storm is the leader of the X-Men, but she takes this, all this time to really mentor this young girl. Um, and again, we've talked before about how Kitty and Wolverine worked out, but like, you know, it, there's also the Storm and, and Kitty uh, relationship there, and it's an important thing, and it's all part of what, what Claremont built in here, so. And it's so cool, like, as we get started off here, like, today's the future past thing, it's two issues, but it's such a defining two issues. 142, I think, is, has, that, has that amazing cover with uh, Wolverine getting uh, fried by the Sentinel, the one before that is all the slightly apprehended posters. Yep. And it's just, I think it's so cool that they're able to fit so much mythos building stuff into issues because, so the, I'll have to look it up before the next podcast. The, the, the X-Men series they're doing where they kind of boil everything down in a, a, a series of years in one issue. They have, they play out an entire timeline and then have it play out poorly where Sentinels win. And then they, and then that's how they set up these future past and send them back. It's very interesting. Like the little subtleties, the way you can retroactively tell the story. But even in that story, that's such a, a pivotal moment for the X-Men and kind of for what it would be for history. But at the time, it's just a two-issue, two-issue arc. Then after that, you get the Kitty versus the Demon and then the Cyclops stuff. And you're like, wait, it doesn't feel like it's going to come together. 
and then you watch it happen. And it's so cool, I guess, particularly now as grownups having already read it before and go back reading it again, knowing where we're going to end up. It's so cool to watch the, the seeds get planted. Arcade and Murder World. Like, it's just something that mm-hmm. that, 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 that issue spawned a, um, that series issue spawned a video game for yeah. Super Nintendo. I was, I was, I was, it wasn't just Super Nintendo. I think I had it on a segment. It was all the 16 Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, right. I, I, like, I remember, I remember it was like, it was called, Ar- they turned it, it wasn't Murder World. But when I was, when I was reading this issue, I was like, Murder World? No, it's Arcade World. <laughs> oh, you can't call it Murder World and sell it to kids. You can't do it that way. Oh, that makes sense. Um, but you're right, like, Days of Future Past, and I think that's why the, when they did it for the movie, it made me so upset because Days of Future, the, the true legacy of Days of Future Past isn't really those two issues. It's what spawns afterwards. It's what, what comes afterwards where you end that, you end issue 42, and you realize, like, wait, did they really, did they really change everything? Or did they, because it seems like they're just, it's just, it's still going to happen, you know? And, right. and then you, again, you start seeing these little things going on as you go forward, and it's, just that's the importance you can't just do days of future past once and think that everything is done and and never connect to it again no that you could you could possibly possibly start a franchise with that and then go through a series of movies that show you that when you thought was going to end it it ends right back at the beginning something like that like they could have something that way they they didn't bother to do it but um yeah um, we're we're definitely getting some more of these issues, but one of the things I wanted to kind of kind of point out is, and kind of going along the lines of what what they did here, um, they're going back to what Claremont did with his writing is the relationship, right? We already talked a little bit about Storm's mentorship and mothering a kitty. Um, there's a Wolverine and Nightcrawler, you know, Wolverine and Logan and Kurt having having you know becoming these good friends and 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 and. And 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 what what they do in, in their relationship there, um, Kurt having a girlfriend, a human girlfriend, <laughs> what well, kind of human? Because she's technically has some magical powers, things like that. But for the most part, human, right? And who he's not using his image seducer with her. He's he's the blue elf with a girlfriend, Amanda uh, Sefton. You know, um, you have. None of almost none of the original X Men are back. At some point, we do get Cyclops coming back, but Iceman and Bobby's gone off. Gene is dead. Um, uh, uh, Hank is nowhere to be seen. Um, Hank's on the Avengers. Hank's on the Avengers, and Angel comes back for a little bit, but then he leaves because he's not happy with Logan being a killer. And, he and under- hates Logan. Yo, that's that's one of my favorite like things that I had forgotten about is that the Cyclops Wolverine thing. Yeah, that's true. Yo, Logan and Warren have never gotten along. But so here's the funny thing about it: what makes it so ironic is what happens to Warren later on when you get into yeah. X Factor. So Angel's like Logan is a killer. He's able to control himself, and and, it, and it's a known thing. Like they they play really heavily on the idea that Logan is really trying to is struggling to not be this killer. To, to control his rage and to control his berserker stuff, he's trying really hard. And a lot of the team is has accepted it. Like especially Storm, uh, uh, Aurora is like, yeah, she defends him against um, Warren. It becomes so unique though when you think about what later happens when 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 Apocalypse takes takes Warren and turns him into Archangel. He literally then ends up becoming the same thing like Logan, a killer who's unable to control himself and and spends so much of his time 
trying to control that killer instinct from coming out. And that comes to a head when you get when we when we did our um our our X Force our Uncanny X Force run when uh, Warren's dealing with a lot of stuff there. It's Archangel. It's like it's all of these seeds and these relationships and things that Claremont seeded here. Some of them he does fully develop himself, but others are just things that others can come back later on and pick up and go forward with. And 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 to me, this is where when you say if you say you're an X Men fan, is because of the things that Claremont did here. And he did it without having yeah. the original five. You know? Cyclops is still around and eventually he comes back to the X Men, but for the longest time he's going around with Lee Forrester on a on a boat. <laughs> Like, yeah, but okay, hold on, let's do this. He's doing the Lee Forrester thing because he just needed to get away. Well, no, no, like, he, no, no, no he, yeah. He's like, I, I, the ghost of my, the woman I loved. Oh, absolutely. And again, that's not me saying that he went away and it's a bad thing. It's like, Cyclops, he, he, need, he needed time off. Like, he literally just lost. And, and that's, but that's one of the things that you talked about earlier that I love so much about this is that he treats them like people. He treats them like people. Like, Scott went through some shit. He's like, I'm out. And then what the thing is, once you write him out of the book, you don't say I'm done talking about that character until he mysteriously returns when we need him. We just keep checking in with Scott. Like every like fourth issue, it's like, what's going on with Scott now? And then by 150, you see how everything like we talked about on the Agents of Shield review. All these disparate pieces coming together mm-hmm. to tell one story. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's important. It's it's it I mean, yeah. So um again, we kind of already talked about so so 139 is the one that officially welcomed uh, it's the uh, welcome to the X-Men Kitty Pride. It's the, the issue where Kitty, I think this is the uh, holiday issue where Kitty's left left at home alone, had to deal with mm-hmm. that alien demon thing, whatever, and basically destroys everything in the, uh, she destroys everything in the in the mansion so much that at later on, like two or three issues later, uh, Professor Xavier has to go to, uh, has to go to Warren and be like, hey, Warren, you're rich. Uh, I might need some money to uh, fix some of this shit because... The jet is the jet is, uh, is messed up. The uh, danger room is messed up because um, Kitty had to had to defend herself. But um, you know, and everybody's proud of her. But at the same time, they rib her because they have to build everything back up again. And you can see that again. It's seen through the eyes of a young of a young girl. She's trying to fit right. in. She wants to be part of the X Men, and um, she's not there yet. But she's always ends up being part of the part of the missions or part of the story. And so. You 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 get a character that others can relate to, and uh, it works out really well. Um, again, we're not going to rehash all of that or even Days of Future Past because we uh, I think we covered a lot of that when we did. We've done lo- we did we did Wolverine, we did Cyclops, we did uh, Kitty and, and Peter. So we've covered a lot of these things already. Um, but what I like covering is some of the smaller things. Obviously, in Days of Future Past, we get the first appearance of Rachel Summers, which will come back later on. Um, and we'll be dealing with that. Um, 150, we talked about this. This is the one where Magneto returns. If you can't, if you, I, I'm, I'm plugged into my computer, but I cannot stand and applaud, but know that I would be. Yeah. I love this issue. I love everything. When he sinks the Leningrad, which I've forgotten is the ship in X-Men 1 in 1991. Mm-hmm. That's the Russian sub that he pulls up and threatens the world with from Asteroid Inn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it's perfect. This is so basically. What again? This goes back to our whole thing of them. Uh, you thinking that Cyclops is off doing his own thing? Uh, Cyclops and, and 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 Lee Forrester end up getting um, washed ashore of this this island, and you end up finding out that it's really it's it's the island that Magneto's in right now. And Magneto uh, 
has this whole thing where he decides to threaten the world. He's tired of it. It's like uh, he has this speech. He goes, he's saying that he's, he's, he has a hologram that he projects all these, these world powers. He's like, I'm a mutant, homo superior, possessing powers and ability that set me above, apart and above, uh, above common humanity because we are different. I and my fellow mutants have been hunted down and um, because we are different, I and my fellow mutants have been hunted down and slain like wild animals. These killings will stop. All killing will stop. The nuclear powers have the ca- the nuclear powers have the capability of expunging all life from this planet. Daily, the risk of such a holocaust increases. Yet the leaders of those nations seem not to care. Indeed, some view nuclear war as inevitable. Some have the audacity to view such a conflict as desirable. You are welcome to exterminate yourselves if you wish, but in the process, you might destroy my people as well. That I will not allow. Within the week, all world's nations will initiate complete disarmament of nuclear and w- conventional weaponry. Any state which refuses to comply with these terms will be destroyed. Any foolish, any foolish enough to open hostilities with me will not, will not survive to regret it. Yeah, this is a, yeah. 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 It's, it's the reunion of the When Cyclops comes back, it's, it's one of my favorite issues of all time. Like, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it, this is where, they, so a thing is Russian, the Russians try to fire oh, weapons against, uh, try to, uh, Try to destroy Magneto and fire the weapons. He destroys their ship, sinks their ship. Then the ship later comes up in two hundred, and like you said, it comes back to the one that he 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 reanimates in X Men One. Uh, he brings up for, uh, brings up uh, from from there. It's it, it has far reaching uh, um, implication here because also the X Men show up, and at one point Magneto thinks he's killed Kitty, and Storm goes in a rage, and 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 Magneto's basically like kill me you i deserve it i just killed a child uh it ends kind of abruptly with them finding out that kitty was not killed but um you know it's you have magneto saying uh yes only it has been played on let's see let me see what he said get the whole thing as a boy i believed as a as a boy i turned my back on god forever kill me if you wish when when rider i will not i will not stop you um only it has been played on me i believe so much in my destiny in my own personal vision that are prepared to pay any price, make any sacrifice to achieve it. But I forgot the innocents who, who would suffer in the process. Can you not appreciate the irony, Aurora? In my zeal to remake the world, I have become much like those I have always hated and despised. The dream was, the dream was good, is good. Only the dreamer has become corrupt, says Storm. It is too late to change. I am too old and I have lived too long, of a, too long in my hatred. So be it, Magneto. The choice is your, yours. Give me the child. Um, no, it's just give me my child. Yeah, give me my child. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Th- again, it's another laying laying on the fa- mm-hmm. foundation that Storm really believes that and treats Kitty as her own child, as she should. I mean, she basically raises this little girl. Um, but it kind of it kind of again, this is Claremont's been doing this for a while. He, 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 well, Claremont Claremont is the one who takes Magneto from just being the terrorist into someone that we look at and go. Huh? Maybe Magneto was right. You know, this is where they make so many writers rolling back. If right. That's what bugs me because we define we moved him forward in Uncanny X Men One Fifty. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I this is this is the Magneto. Like it's the one that we I think it was uh in the classic X Men the little extra they did and I think it's in twelve, um where they kind of show Magneto. You get a hint of it there, where Magneto saves that family from the burning, for the, from 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 burning to death. You know, Mac, you see, Magneto has his 
why he is the way he is and where he got to where he is. And, you know, it, it gives you more, it gives you more foundation on why he's doing what he does. And it makes sense. Um, you know, he says here, he's talking to when, uh, Lee Forger says something to Magnus, he said, freedom is Forger. There are more people starving, starving the day than there have, uh, than there are those who can truly call themselves free. I offer peace, peace and a good life or a swift and terrible death. The choice is theirs. For myself, I am tired of seeing the seeing things as they are and asking why why up dreaming of things that never were and, and asking why not. I have the power to make my dreams a reality, and that I shall do. You know, it's yeah, yeah. At one point, um, Magneto asked Scott, "It's like, hey, where's Jean? You know, why are you with this? What, basically, why are you with this other woman? You love Jean. What the fuck's going on?" And he tells her that you know Jean died. She sacrificed herself. Magneto says, I'm truly sorry. Spare me her pockets, Magneto. She was an honorable foe, Cyclops, as are all the X-Men, worthy of respect. I care for her. I grieve for her. I know something of grief. Search throughout my homeland. You will find none who bear my name. Mine was a large family, and it was slaughtered, without mercy or without remorse. So speak not to me of grief, boy. You know not the meaning of the word. Like I said, like this is, between 150 and 200, what Claremont does with, with, with Magneto is magnificent. You know, it's it's great. And it it represents everything he does with all these fucking characters. They really nails who they are and it depends on their other relationships. Like you cannot tell these stories of their relationships to other characters, you know? Um establishing that while he was their foe, they're still mutants. And in his eyes, they're still there's still people to be respected and care. He he, what, what Claremont does here is he really establishes the fact that Magneto and, and uh, I can't remember the issue. They actually go into it later on where they establish um, Magneto's earlier run-in with um, Von Strucker, with uh, Charles. They, they really establish that. 161, I think. 161, yeah. So they really establish that Magneto and Charles Xavier just see the world differently. They both, for the most part, want the same thing. But they really establish it being different. And this comes into the where you really get that uh, that that uh, um, the analogy of uh, uh, Magneto being Malcolm X and 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 uh, Professor Xavier being uh, MLK. It's like you really get that here, and it comes again comes ahead in, in, in issue two hundred. Yeah. Because um, at one sixty one, before one sixty one, again, you don't know that they knew each other before this. Right. Like, they build Magneto. He does it so smartly and so wisely and does it into a place where, yeah, you're going to eventually say, if I, if, if I don't agree with him, I see where he's coming from. Yeah, like, they do a really good job of, like, Claremont does a really good job of going back and, and explaining certain things and giving you more background in some characters. And, and, and doing something that takes a long time. Like, uh, one of the things that come up here is, oh, I can't remember what the issue it is. Um, oh, 152. So 152, you have mm-hmm. the um, Hellfire Club's back. And this, this is actually he's dealing with where uh, Emma, Emma switches bodies with, with Storm and stuff like that. One of the little things that happens in, in the middle of here is they establish in the running thing with Wolverine and, and one of the, the, the guards that they cut up, Cole, who later becomes one of the Reavers. Mm-hmm. It's a small thing. You know, like they... they you know, Cole is one of the 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 uh, the, hen- the the pawns of the henchmen of of the Hellfire Club, and you forget like Wolverine fuck them up, <laughs> like <laughs> like, and he was like, yeah, you cut up my people, and now we have superpowers, and I'm an android, and I'm like, I mean, I'm like, 
wait, his name is Cole. It's like, is he one of the, this is one of the fucking Reavers. They're all, that's the trick. All the Reavers were hurting that. We yeah. were all exactly. exactly. And you forget about that. You're like, wow, you can, and I can't remember, I don't know if Claremont was the one that created, was Claremont the one that created the Reavers or does somebody else come back and do it later? It, it didn't really matter to me because I think it just. It's Claremont because it happens in, um, okay. when they're in Australia. So again, and this is another thing that happens too with Claremont is he sets things up. He'll do something small. Like this is small. Like this knowing naming one of these 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 hellfire henchmen is like, what the fuck? Why do I care? You know, and Wolverine fucks him up a second time. You're like, oh, okay, maybe he's gonna change his life. And you find out, oh, he doesn't change his life at all because he comes back as one of these reavers to kind of go back and has always had a hatred of mutants and oh wow, this is we're gonna carry this on. You know, it's wow, okay. You know? Uh, further establishing um, in, in these issues, the, the 150s, you, you further establish uh, both Storm and um, Kitty's hatred of Emma, Stone, uh, Emma Frost. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Frost. You know, it's well, well deserved. And so later on, when you can totally imagine later on when you go down the line and Scott is now with Emma Frost, you can kind of understand why Storm and the rest aren't that happy with it. You know? Not with the shits. Like, that, it explains Kitty's line from Claremont, from, um, excuse me, from Joss Whedon later. When I picture evil in my mind, I picture you. Mm-hmm. Because one, one of the things that Emma does is not just switch bodies with, with Storm. She, um, she gets Kitty's parents to finally uh, send her to the school she owns. And that's how she ends up luring Storm there, the switch body of Storm, and then try to take take down the X Men. It's like everything that she, everything that Kitty knows that deals with Emma Frost comes back to her trying to take down the X Men, and then also twisting the body the body of her her surrogate mother. And you can gotta realize that you know if Scott's dating uh, Emma, the who is one of Storm's best friends. Her sister, Jean Grant. Right. Yeah, never going to be with that shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, Scott and Emma, I like together, but, like, I can understand why some of the Yo, other everyone who says, like, I love Scott and Emma, I just, I, I wince internally. I like I don't say anything. I let them rock. You guys can like what you like. I, I'm too true to this. I'm sorry. No, I like them together. I, well, because here's mm. the thing. Here's the thing. Because you don't like Scott, Scott as a good guy. Scott is kind of a dick. <laughs> See, there it is. That's why you're an asshole. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> am I? Am I? Is the truth? Am me saying the truth making me an asshole, or am I just Scott, saying the truth? Scott moved on when his girl was dead with a woman who looked just like her. We don't know where she came from. Then he found out his woman was alive, and he abandoned his wife and child. That's not great. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm just. That's I'm, not great. I'm not going to debate that. Also, the woman he had the child with was a weapon engineered by Sinister. So maybe, just maybe, Scott knew something. I'll stretch for Scott. I'll stretch for Scott Summers. Listen, I here's here's the thing. Here's the thing about Scott. Um, he's a complicated character, but I feel like all the characters that Claremont wrote were complicated characters. After twenty years, after thirty years, he got them better. Me? Well, not not even that. Like I would say, in this, in in oh, reading yeah, yeah. these, like because because when you again. When you read these certain, when you read certain issues on their own, you can it, it, it makes Scott look worse than it is. When you read everything that Scott again, the idea that Scott didn't just leave the X Men and Claremont didn't just abandon him only for him to come back and be like, 
hey, you know, here's Lee Forcher I'm dating, or here's, you know, there's this woman who looks just like Dean, uh, Jean, they were calling Maddie, looks a spinning image of Jean, and I'm dating her now. That's what happened. You get these issues of, of Scott basically going, hey, listen, I'm join, I'm going to get on this boat and work as a crew. I, I just need to go out and do something else other than be an X-Men right now. I, I, I need to, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, clear my head because the woman I love is dead. You have when Lee and him are stuck on this deserted island before they even meet up with Magneto. Lee pretty much comes on to him and he's just like, listen, I, I can't right now. It's like, I'm still grieving Gene. Like when he. Yo, and Lee's response is, I'm not trying to date him to the fuck. Let's right. Go. Yo, yo. <laughs> I'm like, yo, dog. I read that shit and I was like, hey, Scott, I mean. <laughs> Hey, Scott, she ain't looking for emotion. She ain't looking for attachment. She's just looking for the dick. Yo, she's like, on. I need some comfort. You, like, you, yeah, you whiny like, bitch. Right, yeah, right. We're, we're, on a, we're on a deserted island right now. Your girl's dead. We don't know if we're going to survive this right now. I just want some human comfort, yo. Come on, dude. She's like, yo, she's like, my dad just died. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, of course they're trying to date your dumb, your dumb blind ass. Right, right. I ain't trying to, I ain't looking for commitment. What the fuck, yo? Come the fuck on. Um, but you see that he's going through all this stuff, like, uh, he when he sleeps, he mentions Jean's name. It's like it's a whole thing. And even with the thing with Maddie, even then he came clean with her and was like, "Whoa, listen, I'm probably with you because you look just like Jean." And it's like, and so you you get the idea that Scott on his own is still struggling with what's going on. Like his love is for Jean. And even when we say, "Hey, Jean and uh, Scott and Emma are together," uh, and I like them together. You know, even Emma herself knows that she's second fiddle to Gene. Even she knows that. So it's, and, but, that's, but it's established by Claremont in this run. And you, and you see the complications. You see that, like, when, when, when Scott finally does come back to the X-Men, uh, when, they, when they go and they defeat, uh, when the X-Men end up converging, just like, again, we talked about with Agent Shield, converging, and they, they find Scott, and they're like, oh, okay, cool, let's take down Magneto. Come back, Scott. Scott is back. Uh, the rest of the X Men are staying are staying on the island because uh, you know Professor X is like, yeah, let's stay here for a little bit because uh, yeah, everybody's coming at us in the mansion, so maybe we should just I don't know stay here. Um, and then the mansion really gets destroyed because <laughs> it's a uh, storm and it's just storm and, and Cyclops back there, and even they're talking, and you know, it's it's two funny things that I like and I liked in the, the that the issue that they have. I want to say it's like it's not one sixty one. Maybe it's like one. Oh, what is it? It's like when they fight for leadership. No, because that's after that's after two hundred. So right. it's, not, it's the one where they're like it's when they they they, they uh, Scott basically comes back to the X Men. He, he, he and, it, where, and they team up with Corsair. Yeah, and they team up with Corsair. Corsair. It's like it's in the mid one fifties. It's like mid one fifties. So what I like about there's two things I like about that issue. One. Um, it shows the different ways of how the X-Men train, right? right? And so in this training exercise, it was Storm versus Cyclops, and they they used their powers, and it was like playing like wall ball, but with their powers. Like Storm, the, the, the rules were Storm couldn't, couldn't touch the ground and had to use her wind powers, and Scott had to use his eye beams. And it was just like they, they got a good workout using their powers using this way because it had to be skill, and they, they basically tied. It's like, Scott uses experience and Storm uses her, 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 her it's, skill. It's one of those little touches that we don't see in X-Books anymore because everything's got to be so big and bombastic. But they did this in an issue of X-Factor years later when Scott or Alex invites Scott over and is like, I'm struggling with leadership. And they just play handball using their powers. Yeah. And Alex wins because we're not going to get into who's more powerful, but yeah, Alex wins. Right. And, and, and so it's, 
it, it, it's good. So it ends up in a tie, and they was like, yeah, we keep tying on both sides of this. It's the same thing that, um, and because as, and I think at the same time, the danger room is still broken. And so they had to yeah. find different ways to use their powers. So earlier, uh, a couple of issues before then, uh, they were talking about uh, Wolverine and Nightcrawler were talking, and they were like, hey, yeah, you know, we've been holding our skills out the danger room because uh, we basically go on these hunts. And, and Nightcrawler goes, because you always win them. That's why you like them. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, you still owe me like 29 cases of beer because I always end up catching you. But like, it still allows them to hone their skills and you see that they can work. Even if they don't have the technology, even if they don't have the danger. Without room. the crutch. Of, and it makes you wonder why all the X movies, when they're like, we can't move the technology for the danger room. Right. Fine, show them some other way of training, you lazy fucks. Right. There's a way to do it without that. Um, but then you get, the, you get, after they're done, uh, Storm and, 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 and Scott are talking. And, you know, Storm asked him, was like, do you want to take back leadership? And she was, he's like, I thought about it, but it's like, I gave it to you and you're doing a good job. I don't even know if I want to be an X-Men right now. I don't know if I want to come back. It's like, I'm still struggling with, you know, Gene being gone. And then Corsair shows up and then Corsair also goes, oh yeah, Scotty, by the way, um, I'm your dad. And Storm's like, yeah. And then Storm's like, he's telling the truth because I knew when Gene found out and Gene promised me not to tell you. And Gene also promised him to tell, like, so it's like, and Scott's like all this stuff, like, I feel, you know, I feel betrayed because you guys were our friends. You didn't tell me. And he was like, but I was, we were also honoring the, the, Scott Storm's like, I was honoring the wishes of my best friend. So, nah, nigga, I wasn't going to tell you. So, <laughs> I just was going to go to my grave. Storm's always so direct with Scott. I love it. Right. Well, and I, and I think that's the, that's the other thing, too, that carries on when you see them later on the line. So, when you get, when you get, uh, Scott being wrong later down the line, and Storm's like, no, you're fucking wrong here. You know, it's like, we're friends, we're, I'll follow you in earth, but I'm gonna tell you when you're wrong, and Storm's always been direct with everybody, you know, and, and they do, a, it's just such a great job of character development with their, you know what it is with Storm in these books, you know what it reminded me of? The way that they use Monica Rambeau in the, expert, in the, in the Avengers run. Mm. Because again, it, you have a black woman being the leader, um, and, and the lens of what they do is through her and, and she's got the respect of the entire team. There's no question who the leader is. There's no question. Um, there's even at some point when Scott's like, I would have done this, something different, blah, 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 comes in and tries to do that. And everybody's like, no, no, we're going to follow storm because storm is What's even wilder is that as we talk about this, there's something that's even I don't want to say push further, but like you got to remember, it's so funny. I was doing the reread. They just start throwing Carol Danvers in the background of this motherfucker. So I was going to bring that up. So, because we talked about this briefly when we did. She's in 150, just like on the boat with Peter Corbo and Professor X. Right. So, so this is around the same time that uh, the rapper Carol Danvers happens and we come back and Claremont's basically like, you guys can't have your toys anymore. I'm taking them back. And he takes Carol Danvers back in Carol Danvers and then becomes a, a, an integral part of the X-Men because it's also around the same time that we get the first appearance of Storm. I mean, uh, the first appearance of Rogue in uh, Avengers uh, Annual 10 and uh, Rogue takes uh, Carol Danvers' Miss Marvel powers um, and Carol joins, basically joins the, the not joins the X-Men, but is probably basically an F- X-Men liaison or whatnot. She's, she's really- Moira McTaggart, but blonde. And, works with the, and she also works with the government. Right. And so in one of the issues, um, I'm trying to figure out what it is. I got to find it. I wrote it down. Which one? I want to say it's... she meets Rogue again? So, yeah, it's that one. When she meets Rogue. 158. 
So what if you do it? Claremont literally has Carol erase her own history. Because you go, they're going, they're, the whole point here is with the government coming down on the, on the X-Men War, they realize it's like, oh, wait, you know, we kind of work with the government for a little bit. We need to erase that stuff from the Pentagon computers. And Carol's like, I can help with that. So they go in, they run into Rogue, and like, you know, obviously Carol's not fucking happy about that. Um, but at the end of the issue, after she's erased the, because um, they use, uh, Kitty uses Sierra technology to create this virus to remove that stuff. At the end of the issue, she literally goes and then erase both Carol Danvers and Miss Marvel from the database. And so I looked at them and was like, oh, this Claremont really starting clean again with Carol. It's, I got the panel here. Um, brooding about what happened, wishing things were different won't help. I can't go back. I can't change anything and I shouldn't try. I am. I exist here now. I have a present in the future, a life to savor to the fullest. The same gift every infant receives at birth is good enough for them is good enough for me. Basically, she's saying that, you know, everything that's happened before, all that shit with the Avengers, dead that shit. Claremont's like, I'm not going to change it. You're right, but I am going to erase it. Right. And then during the Brood Saga, the 161 through 166, that was her, her binary powers. I mean, to me, a lot of people talk about... I forgot how fast that happened. Yeah. Like, a lot of people talk about the Days of Future Past stuff, but I think the, the, in this part of the run... The Brood Saga, which is 161 through 166, is probably, like... It's my favorite. It's my, it's, it's my favorite, too. Like, Days of Future Past, I think, is a good for setting up stuff in the future and seeding a lot of things, bringing in characters, you, and bringing in this, this idea of this future that the X-Men are trying to run from. 161 and 166 is just... It, it's, it's X-Men at their best, right? It's X-Men taking on brood aliens in space. It's, it's just... And, and, and also, the body horror... Of it all, of yeah. the X Men not being in control of their own body, it's it's fantastic. The first issue that's where we get Strucker, the Strucker uh, flashback story with right. Which, and, uh, which, which again, Claremont does a, he does a fucking fantastic job of throwing things in. Because <laughs> when you read that story, you're just like, oh, okay, Xavier and and Von Strucker and and, and um Xavier Magneto took on Von Strucker. Think nothing of it until you, and then you get to 200 and you're like, the, the Strucker trend show up. It's like, and they're making all this noise. It's like, you were going to avenge your father. And, and Magnus like, who the fuck was your father? And then you find out the Strucker's like, he's like, oh, oh, the man whose hand got fucking crushed. That motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but you go straight from the Strucker storyline to Wolverine waking up on an alien planet. And like, of course, there's the, you understand what's happening, but it's very disorienting to pick up that book. Well, and remember, Pick up so, so the first the first appearance of the Brood was 155, where they're helping right. Deathbird try to try to take. Um, they they form an alliance with with, with Leandra's sister because she wants to take over take take over as as the Empress of the Shi'ar Empire, and the Brood just want you know more breeders for their their queen mother. Um, and so you meet them there, and you don't know much about it, but as you go forward. Uh, even though 161 to 166 is considered the Brood Saga, you keep getting, from 155 to 160, you keep getting these flashbacks. Anytime Xavier uses powers, he keeps seeing something mer- morph into, like, looking like a brood. Like, even the first time he uses it in 155, when he's t- looking at, uh, talking to Leandra, he sees it there in his mind. So you keep getting these seeds formed of, something's not right with the X-Men. There's something inside them or something going on, and it comes to a head, like you said, in 160. Technically, 162 when Wolverine wakes up on the strange planet. It's fantastic. I don't, yeah, 
I don't I don't know what else. It's one of those things where people are like, you know what? I, you know what? So this happened to me last time on the internet. Someone said that Nas, it was written, was better than Nomadic. And what's happening now is that people with the advent of technology are making ridiculous claims in the face of all this knowledge we have. So I'm sure at some point I'm going to get a Marvel hipster to say Chris Claremont's run is overrated, and that's when I'm going to go to jail. Because it's so well done. Like the Brood Saga, for some reason, has not been picked up, thank God, by anyone else trying to do this. But if you wanted to start the... Like, that, there are like four X stories you tell. There is... Cure. Mm-hmm. There's signals, there's internal threat, and there's aliens. And while Dark Phoenix was the first of the alien sagas, if you want to talk about like one that's less personal, one because it's also married with uh, threat from within, a straight, and this is even deeper threat within, within because the eggs are inside the X-Men. Watching Wolverine fight off that infection, fight off that brood queen egg, mm-hmm. holy shit. Jesus. Yeah, and that, that cover is fucking amazing, too. Oh my god, Chris! I'm so glad we're doing this, by the way. Yeah, no, that cover's yes, fucking fantastic. This is quote unquote work. Yeah, that 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 cover's fucking fantastic. 162? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it this is you know, and for, uh, we're jumping our head and we're saying the brood. Maybe you guys don't know the brood. They're they're basically I'm trying to think, did this I'm wondering, did this issue come out it had to come out it came out after uh Alien. Didn't it? I'm gonna look up right now. It had, I believe it did. 82. So it was around that. So I think Alien, the first Alien movie, was 69. Alien was 79. 79. 79. So that makes sense. Yeah. So this is 82, and I think I think Aliens came out around 82 as well. Right, right, right. Actually, Aliens was 86. So it takes that concept of you know being impregnated by some by this alien force that. That takes over, but here they the, the that's brood they they take over. It, it, it's not it's not like it doesn't kill the host technically, but they completely take over and 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 take on um their uh part some of their they, they take on part of some some of their personality and some of their uh characteristics. And so it's one of the reasons why mutants were so attractive as hosts. Exactly, it's, it's how Def Defer was able to kind of convince them. Keep working with her, even though she was kind of incompetent with what they were doing. They even said at one point in '55, they're like, "Why do we keep working with you? You're kind of incompetent." And she was like, "Ah, uh, because they're mutants, and you can um, there be better breeders for you." So it's it's this whole thing, and so that entire saga, and in the midst of all that, you, you then you get binary. You get you get Carol Danvers becoming binary, you know, and so it, it's just a, it's so much happens in these what's five six issues here. Um, it's a fantastic story, and you're right. Like to me, this is the story. If if Marvel Studios takes over and wants to do a, a story, this is a story you can tell, because they're already going to space. They're already going to be doing cosmic stuff. Start cosmic with the X Men. No. Yeah. Already, Go big, and then bring it small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because here's the thing: if you think about it, and, I, and it didn't hit me until just now we're thinking about this. A lot of a lot of Claremont stuff. Claremont was able to do both, right? He was able to go small in in in, in forming these relationships with these characters, right? You get the relationship. We talk about the relationship between Wolverine and, and, and Kurt, but Kurt and Storm, like, like Storm, like Storm's relationship with everybody on the team was so fucking good. They all right. love this woman, right? 
I mean, from the first time they met her, they saw that she was beautiful. But beyond that, as she moves on in the leader, she's their fearless leader. They love this woman, right? They will do anything for this woman, all right? Because um, she'll do anything for them. Like, exactly. Kjolter sees her as his big sister. Like, it's one of those things that's very much like, it's, she is, for, particularly for Claremont's run, the axle on which the family spins. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we get, so you get all the personal stuff in time. But when you think about Claremont's, excuse me, you think about Claremont's run, it's actually a cosmic run. It's such a cosmic run. Because you get, the Dark Phoenix story is a cosmic story. You bring in the, C- the, the Shi'ar Empire. You bring in the Cor- Corsair and the Star Jammers. You bring in the Brood. Like, there's so much. Carol Danvers. Carol Danvers. Like, everything becomes, everything is actually this big cosmic story that's being told. Well, at the same time, you get issues like 150 or 200 that bring it back to Earth and are dealing with Magneto and the discrimination that mutants are facing, you know, by humans. Like, it's, 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 it's incredible how, or you get these one-off stories where you have, you know, uh, Kitty Pride going to, you know, staying home during Christmas and all this other stuff happening. <clears throat> you get a story with um, uh, uh, what happened with uh, Ileana and why she's all, all of a sudden goes from like a seven-year-old child to 13 because of the, uh, the battle with the demons. It's like the way he tells these stories and the, and the kind of stories you get they they go from small to big to back to small to back to big, and it doesn't feel out of place. You know, it feels right every time. Um, and and everything connects. Everything matters. You know, every everything matters. It's it it it's, it's fucking crazy. Um, and then having the brood inside them, PTSD is his team for a fucking while. Uh, yeah, yeah. As expected. Yeah. As, yeah. as would be expected. Um, uh, 168, the first appearance of uh, uh, Madeline Pryor, um, a.k.a. not Jean Grey, Jean Grey. Um, 69, er, so earlier in the run, I can't remember what issue it was, you get the first appearance of Calamon. And um, it's like early on. Like, I want to say it's like, it might be in the. 40s. I'll look it up right now. I want to say it's like one forty-six or something like that. Because he tries to kidnap, he tries to kidnap um, uh, uh, Kitty. Uh, one forty-eight. One one forty-eight. One forty-eight is the first appearance of Caliph. and he mentions that he comes up from the ground. He mentioned that he he, he didn't know there are any other people like him, i.e., mutants. That's why you're trying to take Kitty back down under underground with him. And he don't mention, make any mention of. It. He's like he disappears at the end. It was like it was it was uh gets uh Jessica Drew was was hanging out with Storm again. Just the way that you just had these random characters pop up in the in these X Men stories to hang out. Like Spider Woman was hanging out with Storm and 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 Storm Stevie Hunter uh, Kitty Pride and and Dazzler because Dazzler's performing at the uh at the uh the club that they're at and yeah they're all just hanging out. Um, that's one forty eight. 20 issues later, because again, he disappears. <laughs> he disappears and he goes back underground. And he's like, because they, they offered him, like, you come, come with us this morning. He's like, no, he goes back underground. 168, you find out that he wasn't alone. I'm sorry, 169, you find out he wasn't alone. There's this whole group of underground mutants called the Morlocks. Yeah, 168's got that big uh, splash page at the beginning 
Professor Xavier's a jerk, which is awesome. Just yeah, yeah, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. You get the establishment of, of the Morlocks. Callisto has Angel kidnapped because it's gonna be Angel's gonna be her her new mate. Um, and the X Men go to rescue uh rescue Amos uh, uh rescue a- uh, Angel. And uh, again, we get the infamous fight between Storm and Callisto, where Storm fucks up Callisto real bad, like right. But it also kind of goes to the thing. Remember, we just talked about this. This happens after the Brute Talk. So again. Some of the things, and again, we're not going into super detail here, but it's like, to me, I, you can tell these stories without getting the super detail, but by giving the actual character development is happening here. Along with Wolverine, Storm's also been kind of dealing with integrating into this new culture and society. Remember, she's a goddess, all right? At one point when she's, I think it's when she's fighting, once when she's fighting, uh, she gets her body back, she fights Emma, she almost kills Emma. I think another time when uh, Doom, the, the whole murder world thing with Arcade and Doom, she also kind of loses it then. She's always struggling with the idea that any point she could turn, and I think this is why she kind of symbolizes with Wolverine, any point she understands yeah. where Wolverine comes from. She understands that desire to just kill a motherfucker. Like, why not? And she, remember, she thought she did. She thought she killed, was it Garnack? Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, she thought she killed him in the, in the last series when they first fought Magneto. Um, and so she's always dealing with this, 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 this in her. So when she fights Callisto, and it's like, and they're like, it's to the death. And she's basically like, y'all sure y'all want to do this? And she almost kills, she almost kills Callisto. And, and Kurt's like, hey, you, uh, you almost hit her in her heart. You, you kind of stabbed her in the heart, and she could have died if their heel wasn't there. And, and Storm basically hits her with the, the, hit him with the Ivan Drago. If she dies, she dies. <laughs> Here you go. I got the pen right here. You stabbed me through the heart, Oro. What, were, you, were you aware of that? I knew that when I made the challenge, it had to be done, Kurt. I never expected that of you. You did it, Callisto. That was her mistake. Motherfucker. <laughs> if she dies, she dies. I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> but, but again, this goes back to what my thing is. We were going, oh, this is why we need a storm movie. It's like, I can only get behind a storm movie if it's in the context of her around these other characters not because they define her thank you but because they show you they help define her they 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 do it's like it's like she's a goddess she's above them it's like you need to kind of show like she's different like storm is not like everyone else she's a leader and she needs somebody to lead she's a leader she's a mother she's all these things it doesn't mean you can't center a story on her because again this run shows you can you can definitely center a story on storm story but you need you need to put it in the context of everybody else to really show what truly makes her 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 better because again and that's true for most X Men you know what makes them stand out is the fact that they're around the other X Men and you see how they complement the team or why they're a leader and all these other things going on because um, I think shortly after this is when um, Storm lose, uh, Storm's powers are taken away because Cameron Winrogue joins the actually joins the X Men the next issue one seventy one one seventy one okay. Storm joins the X Men in one seventy one, um, and again, there's a there's a there's another little short thing Claremont does in one of those early classic X Men things. We kind of explain some of the stuff that goes on with gives more insight on the Rogue's background with uh, Rogue Mystique and I think it's, was it Destiny? I think it's yeah, Destiny. Yeah, um, and it kind of shows it gives you the whole thing about Rogue uh, kissing a boy and him losing his powers and him, him almost lose, uh, getting in a coma and things like this. It's it's really well done, and you kind of understand that Rogue's kind of been this character 
that's been manipulated her her entire life by a villain. Um, but uh, Rogue joins the X Men, and I, is is seventy one also gets her ass kicked by uh, Carol Danvers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. um, yeah, <clears throat> as, as she should. Um, that relationship never really heals after that. I, I can't remember what which one it was. Uh, was it, it later on in the line when we had Rogue and and and, uh, and and Carol still dealing with each other? And yeah, yeah, it's they, they did it actually recently, like a couple months ago, in Carol's new book. Ah, got you. They did it again, and I thought they, they kind of came to a peace—not a peace, but an understanding. Yeah, you gotta come. You can never come. They'll to never like. They agree that they'll never like each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course not. And here's my thing: when he says we'll never like each other. At some point, Rogue, you can't say you can't, you don't like Carol. Oh, oh that's one of the things about the, the relationship issues. Rogue's like, I get it. Yeah, get it's it. like, you, you got it. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> I hold- go right from there to Rogue introduced to Wolverine in Tokyo. And you want to talk about fleshing out a character. Yeah. Holy shit. Wolverine's getting married? Yeah. Yeah. Well, remember, and then it's around this time Claremont then goes into the, the, um, the Wolverine. The Wolverine uh, miniseries, yeah, around this time, same time. So, like Claremont's doing a lot of heavy lifting around here because we kind of skipped over also him running, writing the New Mutants, which we'll come back into. Again, we'll do a bonus episode on that or something like that for sure. Um, but it's so cool because it's 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 so unique because you and I talk about this even with Hickman when he was writing all the Avenger stuff in the lead up to you know Time Runs Out and Secret Wars, he had to outsource some of those books. He just couldn't have the time. And Chris Claremont was like. Absolutely, the fuck, and not, and just made his arms wider. Like, give me all the scripts. So I'll write everyone. Like, I've seen what happens to other people take my characters and write things. I- I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you know, what? honestly, I hadn't even thought about that. But the Carol Danvers thing probably was like, "Fuck," and no, you're not reading my books. Yeah, not writing I'm my just, books. You know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, I'm trying to think. I think 185 is the one. Where where Storm uh, is hit with the um the the device that Forge made that so that took her powers away, um, and so you get a you get Storm without her powers, but it doesn't mean that Storm's completely gone, right? Right. Um, and so again, and I think that's one of the difference between this and what they did with um Monica. Like once Monica loses her powers, she basically leaves the. Avengers and her story kind of ends there. I almost want to say Storms is almost kind of just beginning. Not, no, I don't want to say just beginning, yeah. but it's like she carries on because it's it was it, it her her powers weren't the only thing about Storm that made her a good leader and made her um, a good character. And we'll get into uh, two hundred one is the, the the leadership fight. We'll deal with that in the next the next uh, the next series we do on this. But um, uh, I'm trying to think. There's a, there's a couple of smaller things in here, but I think the biggest one that we end with is going to be uh, 200. Well, let's go before that, because I want to talk about Rachel's arrival. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rachel shows up in, I think, another book, but she eventually makes her way over to Uncanny X-Men. I think she shows up, and, in, and I think she shows up in New Moons, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. You're 100% right. But this is where, like, that two-issue day feature pass, we get confirmation that that shit's going to matter, like, big M. Yeah. And... It's as we say that the fourth pillar is like timing, time travel weirdness, or fifth pillar of actually time travel weirdness. This is where that pillar is built. On the back of like even the issue you're talking about when Storm loses her powers, there's a scene where uh, professors talk to Aurora, so they leave Rachel in the room by herself. So she calls Scott, 
and doesn't say a word. And you watch her, and they gave panel time to her making a phone call, being unable to speak, and then sobbing quietly. Like, the fact that they were able to say, this is worth half a page. Strictly character building. Served no other purpose. That phone call is never referenced again. Scott's not like, got a weird, no- got a weird call from that number, because guess what? Caller ID wasn't a thing back then. <laughs> so his, he even says to um, Madeline, he's like, I think it's just a prank caller. And she hangs up and whispers daddy. Like, it's like little shit like that. It's one of those things that really stuck out to me because it's like, I just, oh man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, does Jean returns during this time, right? Or is this after this? She shows up in the Fantastic Four annual. I don't know where it falls. I need to, I need to pay more attention to the outside books. Yeah, I think she does. Uh, I, I don't, also don't think Claremont was happy about that. He didn't, he didn't like how it happened. He bitched about how it happened. He bitched about that it didn't happen in his book. Um, but it was to launch X Factor. And it was worth it. <laughs> Sorry, as an X Factor fan, it was worth it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, I think it's a Fantastic Four 286. 286. Right. And that's when X Factor comes in. Um, is that before? Actually, I think, I think it's after. We can, we can get more into X Factor after. I think we, we get the seeds of, 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 of uh, Maddie's pregnant. We get some of that. We we haven't gotten we haven't gotten full uh uh deadbeat dad well Scott yet not yet at least it's coming though just know it's coming it's coming it's coming it's coming but in the two hundred like you mentioned we start getting issues where they're featuring a lot of the new mutants working alongside the X Men a lot of like one off stories that you feel are just kind of one thing but of well, course they're going to pay off well, later well but. in two in two hundred the X Men just show up because they've been on, they've been on a on a on a side thing with the new mutants it's been a crossover with the new mutants so it's like yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a whole big thing it's like yo yo we've been gone for a while you know it's there's a lot going on at this time um and so we're definitely going to go back and get those new mutants uh. A new mutant run up in, into this because it's important. Um, but then again, 50 issues after when we last saw him, we get the trial of Magneto. I also get reminded they got turned into a baby at one point. I forgot about that. Well, because it came, that was the defense, right? The defense of Magneto was like, well, they turned him into a baby and he's been reborn. So technically, this is a new Magneto? Which I'm like, that is a terrible defense. Magneto should fire everyone in the jar. It, it did, uh, but but again, it, it worked. Well, it worked because he also saved everybody. So, but what what I found interesting was uh, who the people that defended him. It was Charles Xavier, and then I believe uh, one of the legal counsels for the ambassador for Israel. And it's like again, laying to the the the, the fact that you know Magneto is Jewish, and his one of his whole motivations is never again. It's these subtle things that Claremont did. To build the characters, like it's why I, when I was talking about this when we were doing these 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 these, these issues, and it was so many issues to read. I was like, I don't want to get into like the the, the many details because a lot of these I know for a fact we're gonna come back to some of these other characters and do character corners on them. Um, and I know for a lot of this stuff, if you go and listen to our Wolverine character corner again, we gloss over a little bit on the Wolverine thing getting married because we did a whole Wolverine character corner where we, we go into that. It, 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 the Kitty, we, between him and Kitty Pride, because remember, there's also the Kitty Pride Wolverine limited series. The miniseries, yeah. Mini yeah. Well, she that. becomes Shadowcat. Right, so it's like, all because right and right now, her whole, her, her, her name is, uh, what is it, a Sprite. And I love how they- Sprite in these awful costumes. You're done oh, these costumes. Yo, listen, that costume with her in the roller, the roller blades, fucking <sighs> hilarious. No then, more blades, my friend, roller skates. Roller skates. Then there's the one where they're um when they're uh when her and uh 
Kurt are on the share um, uh, station, and at one point they're using the costume machine. And she turns into Darth Vader. Yo, I was like, exactly. Marvel had the the publishing before they yeah. lost and regained the publishing rights to Star Wars comics. She did that, and then and then another time, I could have sworn she put on like a Green Lantern like Robin Hood costume, and I was just like, oh yeah, she, she Green, was a Green Arrow, Green Arrow, Robin Hood. I was like. They're, they're making they're, they got jokes they got jokes so take shots right um so yeah yeah so we we cover all uh, same thing with cyclops and the thing with rachel and 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 maddie and gene coming we cover all that's why these comics are so hard to talk about because each character is not just like oh they're a piece of the team they're a fully fleshed out like we didn't talk about Piotr dealing with the fact that his his little sister is aged eight years by losing her hand for two seconds through a portal yeah which is gonna be a big fucking deal come inferno Yep. So it's like, <laughs> we, like I, it, it, this is a, a, a loose primer or a guide to follow these amazing stories. But I'm telling you right now, like like we said earlier, there's a lot of words, a lot of reading, but it all matters. And, and the reason why I, I think we, I like the way we did it this time is because, like you said, we cover some of these things in of the character corner when we go into the character in depth, or we will in, in depth when we go into them. Um, but it's also because, like to me, that the defining moment of Particularly this run here. Like the first part we did when the, the Dark Phoenix saga was literally the Phoenix, right? It was killing off what you knew about the old X Men and then rising something new in its place. You know, that to me is the meta commentary of that. It, it is very meta. Because you, you got to think about it. By the end of that run, almost all of your old X Men are gone. Even Scott and uh, Gene is dead. Scott has moved on. Hank has joined the Avengers. Uh, Angel comes back for a little bit, but then he eventually leaves. Like, it's, it's very much so we're going to pin our hopes on this new team who, again, when they were brought together, didn't work well, really well together. By the time you get into this run, though, the friendships are formed there. The bonds are there. They, they're, like, it's, one of the things that stand out to me is early on in this run, um, in this part of the run, the, when the, before the danger room gets, gets destroyed, they're working in the danger room. The character who fucks up the most is Angel, the original uh, um, the original X-Men is the one who feels out of place and, 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 and hasn't trained enough. The others are working like a well-oiled machine, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's such a stark contrast from before. It's because they built all this stuff up. They built all these relationships. They built all these things up. It's the small things. Again, going back to you know, Storm being, being jealous of, of Stevie Hunter because Stevie Hunter has this really good relationship with, 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 um, with Kitty and she sees it. She's like, I sh-, and she's going, I shouldn't be jealous. I shouldn't be jealous of it. But it's like it's the way I feel. And then she, she then relates to uh, Moira when, when um, uh, uh, Sean Cassidy, Banshee, finds out that he has a, his, has a daughter. Moira all of a sudden feels the same way. She's like, he know, I, I love him, but he also now has somebody else to love. And like Storm's like, I understand what you're going through. It's like it's these things, like no matter what they face, the friendships and relationships on the X-Men are what, would drive the story forward. And, and that's so true doing this. Like when it ends and you find out Charles Xavier is dying and he's going off with Leandra to spend her time with the woman he loves and he literally leaves the X-Men to what, what some would say is his greatest enemy, his greatest foe. But it, it's earned and he doesn't feel out of place because you've gotten those other stories. You got those other, uh, those other stories before, like in, in, um, 161, where you see what happened with Charles Xavier and, and Magneto beforehand when they took down Von Trucker the first time. And you get it. You're like, wow, I get it now. I understand what's going on. 
when you see 150, and, and, it's just it, it's it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant the way it's done, and it all it's makes- even done well because like even in 200, when the like you said, the Israeli um, attorney is trying to defend him, people calling her traitor. Yeah, and it's like the kind of weird inter- intersectionality that to even be broached in a 19 early 80s comic is fucking like eye opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it, it was intriguing to me to see how, like I said, Claremont doesn't Claremont doesn't get the credit he deserves for a lot of people will say, hey, you know what, uh, the diversity and inclusion in these comics was wasn't good, and I can admit with them they weren't, except for these, they were. Like your viewpoint, <laughs> very much the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, these are the exceptions. These are exceptions because again, your viewpoint is. You know, fully formed female characters that have their own thoughts and like Storm's jealousy isn't her being jealous of another man. Right. It's it's her being jealous because the the little girl she's been raising that she looks at as her own daughter is spending time with another woman and she's jealous in that way, which is a human reaction. And by not making it a man, you 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 eliminate that thing of everything a woman does is centered around a man. You know? Um and it's it's done so well, you know, and and you gotta love it how they do it. And even with her being at some point being challenged by Cyclops, you know, and her standing her ground, like it's these are things that again for the time. If you if you updated the art and did them in today's comics world, people would be like, "Oh, this is amazing! This is what I'm talking about! This is what I wanted." When you read it back, then you're like, "Damn, this is this is great!" Like him him. Saving and fixing Carol Danvers. Um, a lot of the new characters you see being made, when I look at it, it's like a lot of them sit around women. They just do. Like, yeah. you know, Def Bird, Leandro. That's the, story tell- that's the main part of the storytelling, the whole thing. Yeah. You know, uh, Emma Frost, like uh, Mystique and Rogue. And like when you, when you really go to start hammering at home, a lot of the enemies and a lot of the people that you're seeing are, are based on female characters. And not just for the time period, but just in general, they're written well. And you got to love that. You got to love that at all. So, um, man, so uh, I think that pretty much wraps up what I had to say. You got anything else you want to say about this, these issues? I am madder at modern comics after reading that than I have been in a very long time. I mean, yeah. And, you know, and, then, and I'm not saying it's, a, it's a, I'm not saying it's a whole. I'm saying because a lot of the stuff we have now, like you said, New Golden Age, not good playing. It's just that reading thought balloons and reading captions and like having to go back and reference old issues. That's that shit, man. <laughs> that's the muck. That's the grime. That's, that's the dirt. Like it's so nice and everything's cleaned up and the industry's objectively in a better place than it was. But man. Well, I also got to say like, this also comes down to when you let somebody, and we've said this before, we said this when we talk about something like Jonathan Hickman or, or what they let Josh Whedon do with the X-Men or, Scott Snyder, uh, Nick Spencer, uh, Jason Jeff Aaron, the Flash, Jeff, JSA, yeah, uh, Green uh, Lantern, J- Jason Aaron on what he was able, he's been able to do with this Thor story, which is. Are you caught up yet? I'm not yet, but I will today. You and I are gonna, yeah. I need you. To, I need you to set some time aside. Okay, I'll, I'll put some time aside. But it's like when you when you put it all together and you look at it, when you give an when you give an artist and a content and, and a writer time to tell their story, this is what you get. And and when you look at this. When you look at what they, they were able to do, with, what Chris Claremont was able to do, it's because he's able to see some stories and then come back later. 
You know, the demon that the the, the creature that that um Kitty fights to destroy is the danger room that sets off another change of events later on. Is was one of the leftover ones from when they uh, they did it early on. I think it was when when Storm and them first joined the team, and Storm destroyed that um, that that statue. It's one of those demons. It's like all these things tie together, and they come back, and they might not come back for for issues later, but they always come back, and they they're always part of the story. And it really fucking matters. It just it just really really fucking does. Um, and um, yeah, it's fucking great. And I can't wait to see where we go on from here because. Uh, we got some sh- we got some shit to come we got come got, got coming up you know we got storming Scott bringing powers to a fist fight baby yeah yeah like see you know what I can excuse Scott because he wasn't there when 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 Callisto got her ass whooped if he was he would have known yo I bet they're like right 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 Colossus and Nightcrawler was like hey man maybe yeah, I want to and Logan's like how about you guys shut the fuck up how about that what do you shut the fuck up just calm it down guys again yo I I just can't. The relationships between that they build between this team here, and 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 the last thing too, because when we'll, we'll talk about this when we do the the bonus episode on, on on New Mutants, this is a team that's different from before. Remember that first, and we I think we brought this up last time. That first team was kids. They were kids. They formed together, and they came. This is this were a bunch of adults. The only kid here was um kid. was Kitty, and they brought they brought everybody else together. And it took some while for them to, to kind of get understanding of each other, but they do. One of the things in here we didn't we didn't cover is when when uh, Logan goes back to Canada uh, to to, to Alpha kind of, Flight at the very beginning. Yeah, to, to uh, smooth things over the Alpha Flight and up taking down the Wendigo. And it's and it's um it, it's uh, Logan with uh, with Kurt. Kurt goes with him to give him some company. So again, you building that bond between those two characters. We also get more information on Logan and all the stuff he's struggling with himself. It's like him, him wanting to isolate himself because he feels like if he doesn't, he might hurt his friends. He might hurt the people he cares about, you know, because again, I think Lo- this is Logan to me is much like Batman. When you get people doing movies on him or trying to write about him, if you don't really understand the character, then you end up writing something that might be okay, but it's not that character. Um, a lot of people treat so Logan. Yeah, because Logan people treat Logan like Batman, and where they're like loners, and I'm like, but they're not loners. They're not. So, so you've inadvertently brought me to the last thing I want to talk about. Okay. My favorite issue, perhaps in X Men history. We didn't talk about it during this podcast, but it is in this run. One eighty three. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> we we've talked about this issue before, but yes. I, I you know that's why I say it. I was like I'm talking about this issue ad nauseum. I don't give a shit. The story is called He'll Never Make You Cry. Chris Claremont wrote it. John Romita on pencils. If you're thinking, what issue is this? It's the issue where Peter breaks Kenny's heart on a, on a hilltop, <laughs> where Rogue refuses to be helped by Storm in the danger room, and where Logan decides, I'm going to fix one of these problems. <laughs> and he and the elf take Peter drinking. And man, <laughs> let me tell you, <sighs> Peter's being carded. So what? He's legal. Logan, I know your intentions for tonight. If you're smart, then Elf, you'll stay out of my way. He's just a boy. Then he deserves a spanking. If he's a man, though, it's time he face the consequences of his actions. Either way, I'm taking a piece. I'm taking a, a piece out of him. <laughs> they then explain that he explains him that he, he needs, I was kidding, an apology. And he, he and Logan f- figures out and smells and finds Juggernaut. 
This is him thinking right here. He's in cities, relaxing on the prowl. This will be actually the last thing on his mind, which suits me just fine. He hasn't spotted us. I aim to keep it that way. We've got to get out of this joint fast and quickly without attracting attention. He seems out of costume. He knows our faces. On your feet, boy, you need some air. Port, port ahead, elf. I'll meet outside. Meet us outside. I'll explain there. And then, of course, Peter, who's drunk, gets mad at being told to leave and spills his beer on the goddamn juggernaut. You better stop this, Wolverine. That man at the bar has not a prayer. Nice thought, pal, but if anyone's in trouble, it's Petey. <laughs> we'll move into things out of hand, but till then, I'm in t- I aim to sit back and enjoy the show. It's what the boy deserves, what I was planning on doing to him, doing to him myself. <laughs> and these two motherfuckers destroy a bar. <laughs> oh, my God. And Juggernaut drops the tab for the bar. Mm-hmm. When he drops the building on him, he looks at the Wolverine. Look at a piece of his action. Nope. Smart play, shrimp. He told the kid for, for me, he did himself proud. He's got guts and heart, and he throws a mean right cross. But if him or any of the X can get away again, even my accent tonight, will be, I won't be so nice. Either will we. This is for the owner to fix his place. <laughs> he saved Wolverine from whipping his ass himself. Right. <laughs> Logan, Logan's a loner. No, no, Logan's smart enough to be like, nah, he saved me the time. Right. Oh my god, you, so funny. I, I, I and then Pete, of course, is like, why didn't you help me? Fight's over. You lost. Mm-hmm. We're experts. We'll stand by each other. That's the theory. But you betrayed that trust. Oh yeah, we stand together. That's right. Through thick and thin, we go through the wall for each other. Make any, pray any price. Make any sacrifice. Our lives, even our honor, like Kitty did for you. She's fourteen. But to save you, she agreed to marry Calvin and join the Morlocks. If Calvin hadn't released her from that vow, she'd be there today. He never even said thank you. Who for thought, huh? <laughs> and then it's like a very like long like he and, and Elf talking like, look, he fucked up. He had to learn. And, Pete, and, and Kurt's like, he's young. He's got to learn. I love this version of Logan, like angry dad Logan. Mm-hmm. It's the best. It's the whole thing. The fact that this is a throwaway issue. <laughs> Yeah. It's a, it is a throwaway, straight up. This issue could not have happened and it would have been fun. nothing, nothing plot-wise has moved forward like Celine shows up, I guess, at the end. And then look at the, the teases of Mystique throughout. But, like, this is mainly come watch Pete get his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. That's what Claremont does. Even the throwaway issues, even the one-offs where you get John Romita doing a fill-in, which John Romita doing, Marita doing fill-ins. <laughs> it matters. Because Claremont made it matter because he made every character matter, and he made, therefore all their moments matter. And 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 it makes all the character bonds tougher and, and tighter. You know, like what that what, what 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 Logan does here, it makes him tired with these other two who end up being some of his closest friends, the closest people he goes to bat for. It's like this is it's such a classic X Men story, right? It's also because he they, he didn't do this for himself. What it goes he did back, it for someone else. And that also goes back to the idea of Logan isn't just some loner. He actually, no matter how tough you make him on the outside, people will see through it. And the people who know him best see through it too. You know? Storm calls him on his shit all the time. It's like, you're not a loner. You don't want to be alone. Come on. Don't, I'm, I'm, I'm me. You know who you're talking to. I, I can see through this shit. All right? You know? So we're going to do this. You know, Kurt always going, always, Logan's not a loner, but yet Kurt always goes with him for things. Logan could just tell him no. I don't need help. 
I'm not Kurt, gonna... Kurt ports into the car as they're driving to the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a thing. It's, it's, it's such a, it, and, and it's like, the, again, it's, it builds these bonds and it makes the team stronger. So when they come together, when things hit, hit the fan, and like you said, you know, hey, Peter need to be taught a lesson. But after this, you know, when, if it was some serious shit, of course they, they're there for each other no matter what, you know? But yeah, of course. You can't, you can't, you can't. You can't fuck over family. You can't. You can't do this. And and again, this thing also goes to why one of the reasons why Logan gets so pissed at, at Scott being uh being with Emma. You know that classic X Men issue with uh that Whedon did when when they wait when when Logan uh, Logan shows at the end of his bed, basically going like, hmm, really? He's gonna- no, no, no. The line is, "What part of the grieving process is this?" Because <laughs> Logan's an asshole. <laughs> At the foot of the bed, so yo. Just... It's so good. <laughs> I know we need to. I know we need to come up a book club on it, but man, you guys should go check a, out a, a few premium. A, Please, a, a man. A man has a code. What can I say? <laughs> a man has a code, and this man enforces his. <laughs> he definitely does. <laughs> oh man, oh this has been great. I love reading. The, I, I love. I love going back and reading this. I love talking. To, I, you know, what, honestly, I just love talking to X Men. I just do. This Yo, is- I can talk. That's the thing is that Loki. We're gonna have to finish just an X Men podcast. Yeah, yeah. At some point, at some like point. eventually, at some point, we're gonna sit down and break down and just do an X Men podcast. Yeah, because we love. You can hear. I hope you guys can hear our voices. This isn't like we're reading material for the podcast. This is like, oh, look at us. We're gonna try on this old jacket that's always fit perfectly, and look, still fits. Well, you know what it is, right? It's like, yeah, everybody talks about Avengers now because of what the MCU has done with Avengers, but like. Right, the X Men were my first love, and it's because of this, because of what, because of this what Marvel. They were the A team. They were the A team for Marvel for until what two thousand three? Well, yeah, five. Not only just that, but like the things that makes the 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 MCU Avengers movie so good is what made the X Men comics so good, right? It's like you focus on the characters, you 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 focus on the characters, the relationships there, and you, then you tell the story from there. You build, you start internally, and then you build out from there, and you can make that story get bigger as you need to go along. Again, you know. The MCU started with a, a man in a cave building a suit to, to escape. You know, who was a weapons builder, built uh, a, a weapons builder, and in the end, it ends with him sacrificing his life to save all of humanity and bring back all of humanity. It's like it's it's such a way that, the, and, and that's how the X Men stories used to be, um, and 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 it's why we love them so much. So. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we'll we'll always talk X Men. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sorry, not sorry. Um, not, I'm, I'm full on not sorry. So. Um, all right, folks. So we'll be back soon. Hopefully, it won't take us much long, much time as we did last time. Um, just life is life. Actually, I'm I'm even gonna promise that because this month, uh, Deep Palm's going on vacation, and I got San Diego Comic Con coming up. So there might only be one episode coming out in July. We'll figure out what that is. Uh, but we will be back. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna finally do those those shorts because I've got I've got a, I've got to bank some stuff for one of my vacation anyway. Cool, perfect. So there we go. Um, so yeah, uh, character corner on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, Spotify. You can find us there, and we will be back soon. Uh, thank you to everybody who's listening, and again, leave us a five star review, and we will read it on air. I know we didn't check today. I don't think we're any new ones, but we'll get them all in on the next one. So again, folks, thank you guys very much for listening. Until next time, we're out of here. Peace.